<laughs> Welcome to File Under Entertainment Podcast with Dylan and Eric. No, I'm Dylan. And I'm Eric. It's a new one every time. Yeah. Surprises me all the time. Yeah. Remember back when I was just like, oh, I'm Dylan. Yeah, I, I do. I fully blossomed now. And But it was weird because that was only like the first, I think we recorded the first episode where you were like that, all like timid and shy. And then we yeah. did the introduction where you took like the lead with everything. But then we we listened to that introduction and it was it like, was that's horrible. terrible. Yeah, I can't horrible. believe that anyone actually listened to us after that. So yeah. we decided to scrub that. And the whole first like, I don't know what, 10 minutes of me being here was us trying to yeah. uh, re-record an introduction, which didn't work out too well. Yeah, that so we're not going to happen. We're just... Uh, uh, rolling right into the episode proper. So we're on V. Yeah, all the way down to whatever letter of the alphabet that is. Twenty at nineteen. No, farther. twenty something. <laughs> <sighs> Are you ready to? Oh, god damn it! I forgot again. <laughs> so, Should I scrub uh, it? No. Uh, go ahead and leave it. So. Uh, Poll results, mm. 50-50 split for Undercover, Brother, you and Underworld. Those. I do. I want definitive results. So <sighs> maybe next time. Go get them, champ. <laughs> go, go vote in those polls. Yeah. We'll have uh, some interesting ones to discuss because uh, our V episode is discussing V for Vendetta and very bad things. Are you ready to get into the episode? Proper and discuss those films. Is the episode proper your your thing today? I guess if I said it multiple times, you said it like it's four a, times a new, now. It's my new aping, and two times on this recording, four times since you've been here. Good lord. Okay. We got some birds, so if, yeah. if you if you're still listening, you go ahead and stop now. <laughs> so we start with uh, View for Vendetta then. Yes, that is. Uh, how the alphabet works, Dylan. 2005's V for Vendetta with an IMDb score of 8.2, a Rotten Tomato score of 73%, which equates to an average of 6.9, an audience score of 90%. Mm. Written by Lily and Lana Wachowski when they were still the Wachowski brothers. Mm. Uh, directed by James McTeague, starring Hugo Weaving, Natalie Portman, Stephen Ray, Stephen Fry, and John Hurt, among others. What is your synopsis for this film? A guy is gonna like make a revolution happen for this to break free of the grips of this like totalitarian society like this like second fascist regime basically the trump presidency is basically where yeah yeah i know you were hoping and expecting i wasn't gonna bring it up but Uh so many fucking parallels because i mean it was like uh a lot of stuff where they were it was pretty thinly veiled that it was about like the bush presidency which in hindsight to what we can experience with trump was like uh wow i mean i'm sure people would have wanted fucking w in office for another fucking eight terms rather than another fucking second with trump but I'll leave it at that. I won't get into any further thing but i just he's, like, he's stepping off of his soapbox now i I kept watching it thinking, like, man, for 2005, like, there was, like, in the midst of, you know, the, the W thing. And then to be like, if this was made now, it would, oh, holy shit. Like, yeah. I mean, there was so many parallels with w- things that actually fucking happened, like, 15 yeah. years hence. And it's just with the crazy. whole uh, them releasing the biological attack on the people, maybe that's what 
COVID was. You ever think of that? Put my little <laughs> uh, tinfoil hat on here. Let's not get into the conspiracy things, I think. <laughs> right. So the actual synopsis is, in a future British tyranny, a shadowy freedom fighter known only by the alias of V plots to overthrow it with the help of a young woman. Okay. Yeah. Natalie Portman. She's cool. She's incredible in everything. Anything and everything. She's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Love her. She's, One of my favorites. She's a national treasure. <laughs> she is. Although I'm not, wasn't really sold. <laughs> bless you. Give me. Wasn't really sold on her. <clears throat> bless you again. Give me. On her accent, but I don't know. I, that is fine. I guess there wasn't a really a lot of fallout that she did like horrible at it but to me it just like i don't know like i because i know that she doesn't have a proper british accent yeah. so <laughs> you all right there Jeez. big fella yeah i'm fine <laughs> gonna be a great episode you need to put on that uh virgin mary uh watch and... <laughs> yeah i'm unclean still <laughs> so... <laughs> uh someone left a virgin mary uh like gold with crystals on it watch <laughs> Dylan's abode it's uh, yep. quite weird it's war reparations <laughs> alright uh, <laughs> so yeah they have uh, curfews and whatnot, and she is uh, like a like a lackey at a TV station yeah, and like an intern and she is going to break curfew to go visit her friend, which or well, what she thinks is going to be a romantic rendezvous. Mm-hmm. And she is accosted by fingermen who are like the these secret police. Like, remember in Spy Kids where uh, they had the big fingermen? That was them in this movie, too. I've the- never seen Spy Kids. We're going to have to pause the episode. We'll watch Spy Kids really quick. Like we did with Shaggy Dog. Yeah. The Shaggy DA. <laughs> the Shaggy DA. That's right. Yeah, Damn it. That's right. Screwed there up is the also the Shaggy Dog, though. Is there? Yeah. I think mm-hmm. it takes place in the same universe. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I don't know. Everything Shaggy must be within the same universe. I lost universe. my Disney Plus because I got hacked. And oh, is that connected to the Hulu thing? Yeah, it was a bundle. And they like added like HBO. They added like a hundred dollars worth of stuff, and we're expecting us to just like not notice. <laughs> so that's interesting. So he—that's the first time that he shows up. Uh, is to well, no, I mean we see him when he's gearing up for to go out for the evening, but yeah. he had other plans. And just while he was on the way to uh, what was turns out is going to be he was blowing up the bailey building Mm -hmm. he comes across the scene where the fingermen are accosting natalie portman and attempting uh, sexual assault which Mm -hmm. really hate that and so i was glad that he was able to step in and yeah they got punished them yeah because like later on in the movie he's like killing cops and stuff yeah who did well what did they fucking do yeah who did far less than you know yeah yeah uh, like but, they should, he should have like chopped each of their little peckers off. <laughs> for sure, that would have made it great. But then he probably wouldn't have gotten her trust because I, I don't know. While she might have been appreciative in the moment, she would also be like, "What the hell?" This like pecker, the pecker bandit. The pe- yeah, <laughs> the pecker and puncher. Some, yeah, alliteration. Uh, <laughs> oh, 
Well, speaking of alliteration, like, oh my God, he comes up with so many yeah. new words. Like, yeah. That That's entire, awesome. I, I don't know how he would have memorized that speech because it's, mm-hmm. wow, yeah. it's, uh, it's incredible. I remember it's pretty great. in the theater and when he was doing it and he lets out that little giggle, I was giggling along with him because I was like, <laughs> holy shit, that wordplay. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Very good uh, script and very uh, yeah, it's well It's based acted on a graphic and... novel and if you've ever seen or read the graphic novel, like each panel is just like a wall of text Hmm. i've never read it but well alan moore uh hates the movie because of all the uh like creative liberties that they took well which but again and i can't really speak for the graphic novel because i've not read it myself Mm -hmm. i've only seen the movie that's my only uh frame of reference with it but reading like the comments that he said and then seeing what those uh, differences really are. Mm-hmm. I think that the that Lily and Lana made the right choice with their interpretation, mm-hmm. and James McTeague with his directing of the movie. I think that's the probably the better product. Yeah, because like the <laughs> the things that they that he had in the novel were just like I don't know. It, Do you have an example? Uh, there was a you can go on the uh, trivia and there's a bunch of stuff where he was like really casting aspersions against the movie for uh, and, and you can see some of the stuff i don't i can't remember any off the top of my you head have but it in your trivia i do not what the, dude there were so many fucking trivia pieces i well, took, you better have a lot of trivia then i do okay anyway so he beats the crap out of the fingerman uh gives his little speech and then invites her to go see this musical performance that he's about to put on yeah he says that he's a musician but and percussion is his she calls out that they're that he's not carrying any instruments and when they go to the top of this building there's no instruments around but she's still like okay i'll ride this out and then all of a sudden he starts doing this conducting and Mm -hmm. music starts playing over the pa system and then the bailey blows up and that uh, sends us to our first introduction with the the giant figurehead, like literal figurehead, because mm-hmm. like, all you see is his like gigantic face on screen, yeah. you know, on, in front of all the other um, people that are part of the the console or whatever that he mm-hmm. is in charge of, and uh, they're trying to figure out who this guy is, and we are introduced to uh, shit. I forgot what the guys. What's the guy's name? Who's the Stephen Ray character, like the main detective? Finch? Is that his name? Yeah, Detective Finch. Yeah. And then there's Creedy. Yeah, Creedy's the really, like, Weasley, slimy guy. Yeah. yeah. But And then Finch is the Stephen Ray's uh, detective character. It's, uh... Yeah, not a lot of uh, diversity in mm. the cast or in the world, which I think is part yeah, of the true. tyranny. Because they were talking, well, the one guy, the slimeball TV guy, like the Rush Limbaugh-esque character is, you know, like, uh, oh, yeah, the homosexuals and the the immigrants and this and that. So, which, again, it's like it's very much a parallel of like a Republican fucking presidency in 2020. It's just it's crazy that they were lambasting this stuff in 2005 and it's still prevalent and it's like day. even more prevalent yeah. like it was even more in the limelight in fucking 2020 and that like 15 years on it's just that's insane to me that that can exist so crazy mm-hmm. 
I liked that, uh, yeah, towards the beginning, especially uh, V's moral compass is well on display because he didn't mm-hmm. want, uh, you know, her to be assaulted. And he he definitely didn't agree with, you know, innocents being killed. But yeah, that kind of changes towards the end. And I guess he, he figured that, you know, if they were working for the guy, then they were at least, you know, guilt, guilty by association. So, uh I guess that's where he was able to be a little bit lax in the I moral suppose. compass. So, well, now it, it sounded like you don't really. I mean, haven't you seen this? You said like you've seen this movie twenty times or something. I've seen some, it some obscene amount of times, yeah. And so I don't you, know. It just bugs me that he didn't kill the fingermen, but he like just killed those cops that were just like they're doing their job. Yeah, that's fair. Because he doesn't really kill a lot of people. No, until the end. Like, that whole sequence, like, all Creedy's guys... I, I guess you could argue that those guys deserve to die because they were... Blackbagging everybody? Yeah, and they were Creedy's kind of, like, henchmen. Yeah. I don't know. It's good. I got light... Like a shaft of light that's like oh, pouring into my eye. And then also, like, the, the birds are going gangbusters over there, so... Yeah, I'm sure it'll be okay. Famous last words. Thank you, Dylan. That's just say some content. <laughs> Speaking as Dylan fixes the curtains that are going into my eyeballs. It's mostly you have to go to that other side and like that's where it's coming from right there. There you go. That's that's the ticket. Okay, we're back in business. Yeah. Now I'm blind, so I can't see. So where do we pick up from there? Like what ha- what happens in the the story? He his next move he blows is... up the Bailey, and then he knows that they're gonna like try to cover it up on the news. So he storms the news building right. with his call to arms, if you will. Basically, he gives a speech to basically everyone with a television because it's like the emergency channel, like mm-hmm. ostensibly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, like all the TVs are being turned on and broadcasting this signal, um, and he basically gives a speech and says, "Like next, if you feel how I do, like next year on the fifth of November, meet me at the gates to the Parliament or whatever." Yeah, because we, this well, takes he, place in the UK. Whoever isn't familiar with this, he is wearing a Guy Fox mask, and mm-hmm. Guy Fox is the guy that fam- was famous for in the 1600s had the plan to blow up Parliament on the 5th of November, mm-hmm. and so that he is uh, using that as his justification and his uh, uh, kind of scheduling that he's gonna do the stuff on or around that date. So. Um, Natalie Portman is actively there when all this stuff, when the um, station is being kind of overrun. He cleverly puts everyone in these masks so that when the police inevitably come and like storm the building looking for him, everyone's in masks. So they're all like, so the cops are actually hesitant to just you know open fire on random citizens. Well, mm. except for but the one guy who the first ex- guy, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Gets shot like five times. So. Uh, he is in the plan or he's escaping well meanwhile they've also they saw on like cctv Mm -hmm. uh natalie portman's character evie 
and so they found out where she lives and also where she works so they're actively there like trying to find her mm-hmm. oh my god just ignore it it's not gonna pick up on yours it's only gonna pick up on mine well it's still hard when it's like actively happening it's uh, distracting uh, so they are at the station to try to pick up Evie and she is hiding from them and in the course of uh, her escape because she does elude them she comes across uh, one cop who or one special agent guy who's got the uh, drop on V and is gonna like take him out and then mm-hmm. she bonks the detective guy in the head um, and then she gets gun or no slapped. she um, she maces, maces the gun and then, and then, then she gets slaps her yeah so then she's knocked out um, but then V contemplates leaving her there, but then decides that he's going to like take her with so that she's not you know, tortured and everything and killed, potentially, by the government to try to find out more yeah. information on him. So he brings her back to his den area, which is filled with a whole bunch of like art and everything, which had been deemed like obscene and... You know, it's kind of, it's very, like, equilibrium-esque in that sense, where, um... Nobody's crying over a snow globe, but... (laughs) Right. Similar. Well, but, but, like, uh, the one guy, her friend, has a Quran that has been outlawed, and, you know, that's a a death sentence just for owning one, uh, which we find out. Also, the fact that he's gay, which, you know... So that was a, like a double whammy in their eyes. Which Stephen Fry actually is. Yeah, he's a huge advocate for... And so that was another one of the differences that... Uh, so I guess in the graphic novel, they really are uh, lovers. And he is kind of like a slime ball that's uh, connected to the cause. Mm. So, But Stephen Fry wanted it to be... He, he wanted to be more of like a heroic kind of character ah, okay. and have it be where he was gay and you know um, to make a statement to stand up so for so that was one of the creative liberties that they took then? yeah and so I guess Alan Moore probably known homophobe <laughs> I'm just gonna throw that out there like, <laughs> is he? no I don't know but oh. that was one of the things that I apparently that he was pissed off about that they had changed that character so it's like so you'd rather him have been like a slimeball evil villain that was supportive of the cause rather than another like character that was worthy of you know redemption and was wrong like I don't fucking like what kind of monster are you Alan Moore like well, if I wrote a story and then they were going to make, like, a movie out of it and then they just, like, changed, like, if I had, like, an Eric character and he, like, wore, like, a specific shirt and said this certain phrase all the time, um, yeah. what I have on bridge with, something like that, like, you pull the string and it's like, <laughs> I have on bridge with this and that, oh, Trump presidency, um, wow. then I'd be pretty upset if they, like, changed the character that I made. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what the Dylan. I guess I would pull the Dylan string, and it would just be vape noises or something. Va- vape noises, and I don't know where I am on a globe. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so okay, do you know where this takes place? The UK. Yeah, but specifically where? By Parliament. <laughs> they say it numerous times. It was not London. London. 
which is in England. UK. That England is part of the UK. Yeah. But so I'm know, still right. But do you know what the United Kingdom actually is? Get this right, Dylan, because we have listeners in the UK that are going to be upset if you don't understand what it is. Don't be the ignorant American. It's a landmass, ain't it? <laughs> it is, it's an island nation. It's comprised uh-huh. of England, uh-huh. Scotland, Wales, Ireland. and Northern Ireland. Yeah. See, I knew that. I was saying it before you said it. That is what the United Kingdom is. But this specifically takes place in in London, London, England. Okay. Paris, London. (laughs) Not. (laughs) No. I've been by Parliament and Big Ben. London is amazing. It did not blow up. Uh I love London. We've talked about that, I think, in the Paddington episode. Yeah. We've had a lot of... uh, movies that we've discussed that take place in London. Or London like, calling! That's The Clash. Yeah. Very good, Dylan. Okay. So where were we now? So he's in his little house with her. <laughs> it's not so little. It's a pretty big pretty area. Big man- mansion-esque house with all the little knickknacks and suits of armor and stuff like that and yeah, that's the part when he was practicing fencing and he was yeah. like fencing against that suit of armor and uh, yeah. that was... That was I liked when he was cooking, he had the little uh, apron on and his hands were all fucked up. Yeah. He's still wearing the mask, therapy. like even when she was, I, I yeah. don't know, I guess to be prepared for when she did wake up and was like free. Or maybe he on. just like wears it all the time because yeah. his, he doesn't like to look at his face. Could be. Could be. That's why I wear mine. Because I don't want to look at myself. Is that so? Where are your masks? You normally have One of them's in the car because I was using it. Huh? Out and about in the world. And the other one is right there. You normally have it predominantly displayed and I don't see it. It must be buried behind some shit. Oh, there it is. Okay, yes, so he tells her that it is not safe for her to be back out in the world because certainly if they know where she lives and works, she's not going to be hard to track down. So he recommends that she stay there with him where he can keep her safe for the period of one year until the next November the 5th rolls around and his plan is enacted where he's going to blow up Parliament and then, you know, that's going to be this whole sea change for the, the government in theory, you know, if everything goes how he thinks it's going to go, and then she would be kind of free to roam around because there would be a regime change. Yeah. So she initially is pissed off about it, and but kind of resigns herself pretty quickly to the fact that, okay, she's stuck there, uh, and, you know, even apologizes to him that she made a big fuss about it, but then... The first chance she gets, like, he he asks, because uh, there's this bishop. So yeah. he also has this vendetta mm-hmm. against these people that have done these uh, mean things to him that have caused him to be burnt yeah. and, uh, like, now horrifically monster-esque uh, because he was part of this experiment. You look like you're on the verge of, like, passing out. Like, your eyes are, like, all, like, droopy and... like <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> Am I lulling you to sleep? Yeah. <laughs> so, 
We'll start talking more. Get in. Get you engaged. were explaining something. I'm supposed to just be like, hey, shut, shut the fuck up. You right tell now. me that all the time. He's like, I'm going to stop you right there. Shut, shut up. I man. got nothing to say right now. <laughs> I've got droopy eyes. So, <laughs> so V has this yeah. vendetta against these people. And part of the. Wait, hold on. Let me stop you there. God so V's it. got this He's vendetta with these people. And they're all from like this facility that he was held at. So he's like going after them. Please continue. Eric. And he starts giving them these Carson roses when he, uh, which is a rose uh, strain that was thought extinct. A rose and, by any other name. And one of these people is this uh, bishop that is like a pedophile or, mm. uh, you know, yeah, he's just really sleazeball character that likes these young girls. And so he uh, enacts Evie's help to dress up as like a little, you know, teeny bopper girl. Mm pigtails and like a schoolgirl dress and everything to like seduce this bishop and he the bishop thinks it's a game but she's like actively telling him what's about to happen yeah i because she thought that the bishop was a good guy yeah i I guess i don't know he says inquisitively like i don't know why she like obviously she's there in this like fucking sex outfit to meet a bishop she should know that this guy is not a good guy and yet she's like telling him the entirety of the plan like hey this guy's gonna kill you and he's kind of kept me captive and he's the one that blew up the building and this yeah. is blah 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 and the bishop thinks it's a game the whole time until v actually comes and kills the guy because yeah. it's revealed like later through flashback that the bishop was part of he was cognizant of all these experiments yeah. going on and happening to these people that were Innocent pawns in the government's nefarious plan to spread this contagion. They didn't care if they killed women and children. and Because they were going to sell the cure. Yeah, it was 80,000 80, people? 80,000. Which yeah. seems light, you know? So it's like, yeah. especially for some like a government-enacted plan when you think like, okay, 80,000 people, that's a lot of people. But think about how many people like have died of COVID. And so yeah. a little bit of a sidebar. One of the, I, I mentioned several times to you and also on the podcast previously that I listen to a lot of podcasts, right? Well, one of them is called Half Hour Happy Hour, and it like came to an end. And so I knew that it was it had come to an end. So when I reached that point into it, I was like, okay, I've got like forty episodes. I might as well just listen to all these forty episodes so that I can like just delete this my from my feed. Uh-huh. Well, so now I'm into the point where it's like uh, Corona has just hit. And like they're starting the the shutdown periods and everything. It's like March of 2020 that this episode is from, right? Uh-huh. And all the stuff they're talking about, they're like, oh yeah, my my friend's mom is a doctor, and they think that this thing's gonna you know get worse by like June, but then by November it'll, it'll all have gone away and everything, and everything. Uh-huh. we're gonna get back to normal and everything. And I'm thinking now, looking back in hindsight, like remembering how like hopeful everyone was that it was going to be like this quick turnaround kind of thing now we're talking about we're in may of 2021 Uh and it shit is still like happening Uh you know people are still contracting it and people more and more people are getting uh vaccinated and everything Uh for it but it's just so weird to listen back to that you know time period and think like how fucking clueless we were and how many more people 
have died, you know, much more than 80,000. And granted, yeah. this is like, you know, nationwide, worldwide, whereas this was just kind of like in London that they were talking right. about 80,000 people. But just the the parallels are just astounding. So it's, just, it, it's just amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. That's one tangent down. Yeah, <laughs> COVID. <laughs> yeah. Funny COVID tangent. <laughs> It's hilarious. Yuck, yuck. <laughs> 80,000 people. <laughs> well, I don't even know what the numbers are for actual COVID. I mean, we're talking about the fake, uh, like, what were they called? The St. Mary's virus or something yeah. in the movie that killed 80,000 people. And it's like, fuck, man. Nuts. Absolutely nuts. So, um, he... Oh, so when she... V comes there to kill the bishop, and then she uses that as an opportunity to escape, and then she goes to her friend's house, the guy played by Stephen Fry, who was her, like, theoretical romantic rendezvous that she was sneaking out at the beginning of the film to go see, well, so that he reveals that um, he has this, like, secret room in his house where it's got, picture, you know, like, erotic pictures of men because he is, you know, gay, and he also has the Quran, and so he says that uh, having her like hiding out there isn't the biggest uh, problem that he could have because if they were to like raid his house and find this other stuff, he'd have you know a lot bigger problems than that. Mm-hmm. So she does manage to stay there for a couple of days, but then uh, he is like a TV presenter, kind of like a variety show host kind of guy, and mm-hmm. so they've done an episode of their show where he does a spoof of the what is it grand chancellor or yeah. is that what he is yeah um sutler is the guy's name because mm-hmm. it sounds like hit over three million people by the way for covid really yeah worldwide worldwide so we're talking about eighty thousand is looked at as like such like a you know black eye yeah to you know a government whereas Worldwide, we're at three million for the actual, yeah. you know, fucking pandemic. That is insane, absolutely insane. Yeah. <sighs> so sad. Yeah, that's a lot of people. But some of them were probably assholes. <laughs> I would venture to say a good portion of them were assholes. So good riddance. Now. <laughs> Uh, That's three million problems we won't have to worry holy about. Shit. Wow. We just have to we have to keep that streak of offending someone, right? We can't yeah. <laughs> we can't go without offending someone. So yeah, uh okay, so he uh Stephen Fry's character, what was his name? Dietrich? Was that what it was? Daddy Dietrich. Uh he, they've done this send up of the Chancellor and they're making fun of him, you know, it's like really spoofing him pretty hard. And so he's not like really scared of anything he just thinks that he's gonna get fined and that he's gonna have to do like some official apology and then he's gonna have to host some like charity events or something like that well in reality uh Sutler sends Creedy and his like goon squad Mm -hmm. to come take him like in black bag him and bring him to be uh executed because yeah, during their raid of the house, they yeah, apparently they were just gonna like rough him up a little bit at first, but then they found like the Quran and all his other shit, yeah. and then they 
killed him. And so that was an executable offense. Uh, but meanwhile, um, V has, well, ostensibly rescued Evie, but she doesn't know that. She thinks that she's been taken by uh, yeah. the like Gestapo-esque kind of like mm-hmm. Creedy's you know goon squad, and uh, they like throw her in a cell and shave her head and torture her and like try to get her to reveal information about V, and she's not giving it up and and everything, and then she starts. Uh, Getting these little notes in this, yeah, like, which those, tall. those were fucking heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Like, that, and that's another thing that, <laughs> but I don't want to get it off in too many tangents. But so the the character that's writing the notes, yeah. she's a lesbian, mm-hmm. and so she's talking about how things, you know, like how her family, you know, ostracized her because of her, you know what they say are her life choices was yeah. really, you know, her lifestyle. And then, um, she finally meets like the love of her life and she spends with three, I think she says three years in happiness uh-huh. before any of the starts hits. And, uh, it's it starts with a, a war in America and mm-hmm. then that kind of spreads to like globally yeah. to, you know, fuck shit up. And then this guy, Sutler comes into power and, uh, starts making all these mass changes where mm-hmm. you know you have to be Christian and basically you have to be white and you have to be mm-hmm. heterosexual or like cis normative or whatever and so they just start taking these people like this this couple well, her name uh, Valerie and like throwing them in jail or like concentration camps to essentially be experimented on yeah yeah to either be executed or experimented on and so. Yeah, just fucking... And I can't believe that that people would actually think that of, of another human being just based on their, like, sexual preference or the yeah. color of their skin. It's like... I mean, we've been very outspoken on this podcast before about what our beliefs are. But I, I just cannot fathom that anyone would be like, oh, you're less than human because... Yeah you don't have the same, like, sexual preference that I do. Right. It's just fucking sad, man. It's like, really weird. It's incredibly sad. And, unfortunately, you know, uh, like, our father was that way. Like, he he had... Yeah, I don't want to cast too bad uh, or speak ill of the dead because our father is deceased. But... Hey, you know what would be a funny bit, Eric? Let's talk about our dead dad. <laughs> Well, and I don't. I don't know, okay. I'll I'll move on. Anyway, but yeah, he. Uh, the, I'll, I'll I won't get into specifics, but he was very outspoken about you know being against gay people, and that just it it hurts me so much to yeah. think that that people are are like that and that they live their lives like that, sheltered and closed minded and um, it's horrible. I mean, people should be able to live. The way that they want to live and feel and care for like love is love you know that's unless it's pedophilic love that's that is true i am definitely in agreement with that like in agreement that that should not be a thing like so <laughs> anyway where, 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 hey where? i'm stepping off my soapbox again it's, it keeps getting bigger every episode yeah pretty soon i'm gonna i have to cut a hole in your roof to uh-huh, make room uh-huh. for my soapbox uh-huh. sorry 
And I didn't mean to offend you with anything like that. That's okay. Okay, so she gets these letters, and uh, then she it comes time where V playing, you know, one of these Gestapo type people says that, you know, she either gives even the smallest tidbit of information about V's location or identity or whatever, or they're gonna take her behind the shed and execute her. And, and she, then she says she'd rather die behind the shed. Yep. So she's and then the ready. guy says, then you have. Then you fear nothing now or something. And you're, you're free totally to free to... Yeah. And then yeah. it leaves with the door open. And she's like, what the fuck? So she just, like, walks out. And then she sees, like, this uh, guard that she thought was flesh and blood. It's just this mannequin dude yeah. with... Uh, and so then she walks out into the, the open room that she recognizes very well. Because that's where all his stuff is. Like, his jukebox and... Uh-huh his uh, suit of armor and whatnot and realizes that she's been had. So, he then reveals, like, yeah, it was him all along and he's sorry, but that is what uh, had to be done. Uh, She had to basically lose everything to feel like she had anything Mm -hmm. left to... uh, to live for and so that's I I can understand I I guess just the shock of it all and her like saying oh I hate you and I can't believe you did this to me that's definitely like realistic but what I didn't get was her like breakdown then I mean like minutes before she was literally willing and ready for death Uh supposedly and now that she's found out that it was, was all a ruse, then she's, like, just breaking down and hysterical crying and all this stuff and that, that this has happened to her and that she went through all this and everything. And it's like, you were... I don't... I don't know. Maybe that is, like, normal and, and how well, things imagine, would happen. Like, like, the relief that would be happening in your brain, too, knowing that, like, you're done with that situation, you're not going to die. Like, I'd be fucking breaking down, too, you know? Well, I get that if it was just relief to be alive, but it seems like it was more well, so anger that she had gone through that thing anyway. Which I is think like, it was like a, a bunch of feelings happening all at one time. Which it, it was good acting, and maybe that is really how it would it would be if you are like pushed to that point, and it almost is like having a nervous breakdown or something, mm-hmm. and like reaching your your breaking point. It just seemed like it was like so, like tonally different like the things that she seemed she was getting pissed off about was like like no a minute ago you were saying like take me behind the woodshed and fucking shoot me Hmm. and now you're like pissed off because like i I don't know it it just seemed tonally weird i saw nothing wrong with it so i think that's just i saw a good acting it was a good performance by her like yeah i'm not seeing it what the good performance (laughs) what i'm talking about have qualms with oh I mean, they're not huge qualms. It just it seems like, I don't know, and again, so maybe it's just my, I don't know. Should I torture you for, like, several months and then see how you react when you no, find out but, it was me? The, I don't remember specifically what it was. It wasn't, it seemed like, it was even less about being tortured, and it seemed like it was, like, the things that she was angry about were, like, the petty things, and I wish that I, like, had taken a note about because she calls out some specific stuff that seems like that's what you're pissed off about like in yeah, hindsight you cut of everything. my hair 
Yeah, well, so that I mean, that was one of them. That's like, like in. Well, I mean, she says you like cut my hair, you tortured me, you like held me captive. Yeah, well, I thought she said some other stuff that was more. Sp- I don't, I don't know. know. I think the scene was fine. Okay. So. Birds are freaking out. Yeah. Um, so then she says uh, she can't stay there anymore. And he apparently is cool with it now. Yeah. Uh, he thinks that her appearance, is, I guess, is different enough that they're not going to catch her. Or, or that he she tells him thank you because now she has like nothing left to fear. Yeah. That she's past all that. Um she also said that she wanted to say thank you for like the the notes and everything and giving her hope but that uh she thought that it was him that wrote the letters and then, then he reveals, reveals that it was it was actually you know a real person and who he's was got giving this, them to him when he was in the cell yeah and he's created this cell. <laughs> he's got this uh shrine uh dedicated to her and then so he's actually uh, you know adopted this persona and this vendetta against these people that uh, have perpetuated these atrocities against them, so he's like getting vengeance on her behalf yeah. and his own, essentially. So, uh, so she leaves, uh, and he makes just one request that she come and see him, you know, at least once before the the fifth, because yeah. he's pretty sure that that is going to be like all that there is for him. You know, that's the culmination of his entire life's work. That's what he's been building up to and uh meanwhile he has gone and he's taken out like the the doctor that was performing all the experiments and um yeah who who else was so there was the doctor doctor, the bishop the alex jones guy yeah um he eventually kills creed he he killed he kills like everybody on the no he doesn't yeah the doctor a lot of people yeah i think like six of them yeah you were gonna say he kills everyone on the console i was gonna say he kills everyone on the console but he doesn't no because he doesn't doesn't kill kill, finch he doesn't kill finch and he doesn't kill like the tv guy and he doesn't kill that other guy he actually like reveals the entire truth to finch yeah i mean uh, playing as another character that like Finch had been looking for, Rourke so like, or whatever his name. Yeah, so V, you know, was smart enough to know that he would be looking into this guy. Um, so he adopts this persona so that he can get in contact with Finch mm-hmm. to like tell him everything, like the entire truth of what's going on. Um, but then he's also like, oh, so then Finch finds out that he was played because the real guy had you know died like twenty years before, and so he knows that it was uh, V the entire time that was like feeding him the stuff but uh, it's still true so anyway mm-hmm. uh, and then yeah he sends all these uh, masks and hats and like cloaks and stuff to mm-hmm. all these people uh, and because part of the message that you'd mentioned on uh, his previous uh like stand, pirate stand message with thing. him yeah on the fifth yeah and so anyone that wanted to and basically like everybody in the entire city it turns out yeah uh so he what i liked was it showed like people who had died mm-hmm. as well 
when I first saw it, I was like, well, that's a big continuity error because I was like a kid and didn't fucking know shit. But it was like, even in death, they're like rebelling and like coming together for like a, the greater good. And like, yeah. I thought that was really cool. Solidarity. Solidarity. Yeah. I, I liked that a lot as well because Valerie and, and her lover, I yeah. forget her name. And the kid who gets killed. Yep. Yeah, they're all there, and they take off their masks to, to reveal, you know, par- the fireworks display and the music as Parliament is blowing up. But, I mean, we, we skipped over the thing where uh, V gets to Creedy and says, you know, like, because Creedy, like, reports directly to this head chancellor guy. If but, you get me the chancellor, then you can have me. Yeah, and, and so, like, like, the the chancellor's, like, kind of, well, he's a dick to everybody, but he's, like, really a dick to Creedy and said, like, you know, he's... He's gonna have uh, Creedy's head if, uh, if that plot to like blow up Parliament or anything, you know, mm. transpires. So uh, Creedy uh, actually gets the the Chancellor and has him brought down to like this underground like subway area, and Creedy then kills the Chancellor. Yeah. And Creedy's like, okay, like so now I, you know, I've lived up to my part of the bargain. Take, take your mask off, and basically, like I'm gonna kill you, or you know, arrest yeah. you, or whatever, and you know, prove that I'm king shit now, or whatever. And he's like, no, 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 that's not gonna go down like that. And then it proceeds like one of the most epic fucking fight sequences in yeah. all of like cinematic history. So the interesting tidbit about that uh, from the trivia mm-hmm. was that he was going in normal speed while everybody else was going in slow-mo and it was also only filmed in like 60 frames a second so that's why it looks like so like fast-paced but slow for them and stylized and everything like that so just like a combination of cool like camera tricks plus you know good uh performances and stunt work and whatnot and so yeah he (laughs) massacres everybody and it's like yeah it's just really cool fight sequence that I really I like the part where he's like die die why won't you die and then he was like people uh, can get hurt by bullets but ideas can't because ideas are bulletproof <laughs> you want to say that again normally <laughs> ideas are bulletproof yes well so this is uh, slightly after he's revealed the plot to Evie uh, mm-hmm. like he's been working for 10 years to clear out this uh, section of the underground uh, like subway tunnel that they thought that they had shut down and um, so he has cleared off the tracks and got this uh, like section of train working in this area for the tunnels and he's got it jam packed with explosives that's going to take out parliament and he says that this you know he's leaving it up to her you know that it's ultimately her decision whether she wants the plan to go through or not because um, his section is going to be basically done because he knows that he's not going to survive like the fight with Creedy like he already had envisioned that that's how it was going to go down he right. was going to as long as Creedy took out the chancellor and as long as he could take out Creedy he was probably going to succumb to his injuries he knew this all along, so he gave it up to to Evie, who Finch uh, arrives after V has died, and 
V and Evie have, have shared that moment, and she's yeah. about to pull the lever because it's you know like the close to the stroke of midnight. This is at the same time that all the people in the Guy Fox masks and hats and cowls and everything are like storming Parliament and yeah. just like walking past all the guards because there haven't been any um, directive from Creedy because he's dead. So they're just like uh, storming to uh, take their place at V's symbolic side yeah. as Parliament blows up, you know, because. Uh, Evie convinces Finch that it's the the right thing to do, that there needs to be a change and Finch agrees because he was working for this figurehead the whole time but meanwhile he was being like shit all over and yeah. you know ostracized and like oh isn't your mom Irish you you know half breed bastard yeah. you know, and, he so. found, and he believed V about like the massacre that happened that the own government did yeah, he he learned the truth and, you know, did enough investigation of his own to realize that it was actually what had happened. And, you know, he thinks, like, how can I work for a government that is willing to do this to their own people? And so Parliament blows the fuck up and the end. Yeah. <laughs> That's much. like it literally ends there. Like she says, oh, I'll never forget him, you know, yeah. not only the man, but also the idea that he represents. And then credits roll yeah it's like but uh yeah amazing film i watched it in 4k did you yeah that's cool did it look stunning it looked good yeah i don't know you have too many animals (laughs) yes i do now the gerbils make a noise it's like before they would normally not make a sound and now all of them are like active at once it's kind of are you ready for the trivia? I'm so ready. The domino scene where V, played by Hugo Weaving, mm-hmm. tips over black and red dominoes to form a giant letter V involved 22,000 dominoes. That's a lot of dominoes. It took four professional dominoes assemblers 200 hours to set it up. Too long. <laughs> Do you, uh, you said you probably don't remember because it's been so long since you've seen it, but the episode of Malcolm where... Uh, Dewey has like chicken pox and he sets up all the dominoes and then uh, Hal's gonna like set them up but he wants to record it that very much reminded me of that like you spend all this time setting them up okay 200 hours to do 22,000 dominoes and then it's over in like a second like a split second seems crazy to me not worth it but it was a cool shot so I guess it was worth it for those four people for 200 hours for that cinematic piece I'm sure they got paid for their time Natalie Portman looked forward to buzzing her hair, saying she'd wanted to do that for a long time. Cool. All of the models, the Old Bailey, the Clock Tower, and the Houses of Parliament, were built at one-tenth scale. Together, they took 20 people 10 weeks to build. Jeez. Fucking crazy. V wears a mask in the guise of Guy Fawkes, who's most famous for his involvement in the gunpowder plot of 1605, which he was placed in charge of executing due to his military and explosive experience. The plot, masterminded by... Robert Catesby was a failed attempt by a group of provincial English Roman Catholic conspirators to kill King James I of England, the Sixth of Scotland, his family, and most of the Protestant aristocracy, uh, aristocracy, that's the word, in one fell swoop by blowing up the houses of Parliament during its state opening. Hmm. There's more. All right. In the original graphic novel, V's cause was anarchy, not freedom. Alan Moore was very critical of the movie for changing what he saw 
was, quote, the anarchy versus fascism structure of his graphic novel into what he saw as an exploration of, quote, American neoliberalism versus American neoconservatism that should have been set in the U.S. instead of Britain. So that was one of the issues. But you got to read the other things that he had uh, umbrage with. There it is. <laughs> in the graphic novel, Gordon Dietrich is not only Evie's lover, but a slimy, cynical man and more an accomplished and culprit of the system rather than a victim. In this movie, he is a gay man who criticizes the system, hides his homosexuality, and ultimately dies for it. Stephen Fry, who portrayed Dietrich, advocated heavily for those changes to the character, being both a passionate defender of gay rights and a government critic. Lily and Lana Wachowski, huge fans of the original comic series, wrote a draft of the script in the 1990s before they worked on The Matrix, which was from 1999, which shares similar themes. Hmm. Bryce Dallas Howard, Scarlett Johansson, and Kira Knightley auditioned for the role of E.B. Hammond. What is the body count? Not that... Are we including the 80,000? No. <laughs> How many people die on screen? Yes. Probably 20... Too low. Too low. 34. Too low. Seriously? That's according to this. How many? 73, it says. No. How? When? I don't know. 73. That's strange. Maybe they're counting the unborn children that will never be fathered by those uh, cops. Yeah. 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 So, all right, are you ready to get into our next film? <laughs> you bet I am. <laughs> all right, 1998, Very Bad Things with an IMDb score of 6.4, a Rotten Tomato score of 41%. It equates to an average of 5.9, an audience score of 58%. Written and directed by Peter Berg, starring all-star cast. For the 90s, I guess. Christian Slater, Cameron Diaz, Jeremy Piven, Jean Favreau, Leland Orser, Gene Triplehorn, and Daniel Stern, among others. What is your synopsis for this film? During a bachelor party, uh, due to a mishap, they end up killing a stripper and trying to cover it up. That's it? Okay. Yeah. A prostitute is killed during a bachelor party, and the attendees turn on each other as the wedding approaches. Not a fan of this movie. I'm just going to (laughs) say, I did not enjoy it. At all? Not even a little bit? There was nothing you found redeeming about it? Okay. No, Uh, not quite. I will say that I, the note that I made was, I need to vet my choices better for season Uh three. Keep it to movies I've seen more recently instead of ones I remember being much better 15 plus years ago. (laughs) Like, the problem I have with the movie is like, the majority of the dialogue is them just like yelling at each other or like yelling shit like incoherently and like the main character was kind of just like a blob you know <laughs> he was just kind of there none of like the characters really had any like personality really they were all just like oh he, he, they have this one quirk and that's who they are oh well, i think the best character is the worst character is Boyd played like Christian right. Slater? Yeah, like he. He's a psychopath. Yeah, but he's mm-hmm. definitely the best acted. He's the best. He was he's... the most interesting yes. for sure. Yeah, uh, and again, I don't know know what it is about me. I I never thought that this was a great movie, but I thought it was at least better than this, and. Mm-hmm. I, 
I don't remember what it was about it that I liked so much. Like because what I'm what I'm confused about is you said it was a comedy. Yeah. I said it was a dark comedy. And then after watching it again, I was like, yeah, it's a lot more dark than it is comedy. And I remember it, I don't know, I remember it being funnier. Yeah, like I don't... Because I, I, I watched it and it was just... It was disturbing and it was like kind of depressing and it didn't have near like the comedic elements that I remember it having. Yeah, they even like go on to like say later that the the second person that like Boyd kills just like this innocent guy he kills him like had kids like they point that out later in the movie. Yeah. Okay, well so what happens is uh Cameron Diaz is like she is I don't know what the kids are calling it these days, extra. She's super extra. Right? <laughs> like she is uh, like really overbearing and once she says that she's been waiting 27 years for this for the perfect like wedding and she wants everything to go off without a hitch like well who doesn't to be right. fair but she like has to have everything a certain way and um, wants like t- tells her fiance played by Jean Favreau that she doesn't want him to have any interaction with any of these friends going forward. Like pretty much like this bachelor party, which she doesn't even want him to go on in Vegas is going to be like his last hurrah with these people because she wants him to like eliminate all of them from his, from their lives. Uh-huh. And so he is like going into it saying like, well, he works with two of the guys and then uh, Boyd is like their real estate friend played by Christian Slater. He's another one. And so the, this group of guys is going to uh, Vegas for it's just it's just a night, right? Yeah, they're just they're going like overnight, mm-hmm. uh, and then the the next day they're they're going to be coming back. Well, so they go and they're in this hotel room and they're doing a lot of uh, illicit drugs and a lot of drinking and they're wrestling around with each other. And then the entertainment arrives in the form of a stripper. And uh, she's, you know, like grinding up on everybody. And then uh, Michael, uh, Jeremy Piven's character, it was kind of like he's the younger brother of Daniel Stern's character. And like, I can't remember, like, that guy's character name. But doesn't matter. <laughs> he, he's kind of like the he's presented as the fuck up. Right. Like he's the, uh-huh. he's the guy that kind of like always screws things up or, or whatever. And then kind of true to form he's having sex with this prostitute in the bathroom and um he like inadvertently well he says he slips i didn't see him slip but he like inadvertently kind of like throws her up against this wall and like impales the back of her head on this like a coat hanger like or towel hanger Mm. spike thing and like comes out and says like oh i fucked up and then everybody goes in there and um Boyd like instantly goes into uh, serial killer mode. <laughs> well, like it, it didn't. Yeah, he was saying you know, like nobody else knows that she's here, and we can cover this up. You know, she's like she's a hundred and five pound problem. You know, like yeah. oh, it's a tragedy that this that happened, but you know, uh, we have to you know move on with our lives and this and that and blah blah blah. Well, so they're they 
they all agree that they're going to, after some hemming and hawing, because they're like, oh, we need to call the cops and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It was an accident and this and that and yada, yada. And like, look at all the drugs and look at all the stuff that's happened. And they're not going to see that, like, if we're lucky, only Michael's going to go down. But we're all probably going to get, you know, like screwed over for this. But they make the decision that they are going to just take her out into the desert and bury her. Mm -hmm. While in the meantime, uh, security uh, comes up because they've been making a lot of noise and they've like broken the uh, table, the coffee table by their rustling and everything. And so he comes in and he's like, oh, this isn't good, you know, that you've broken the table. But then Boyd, you know, pays him, like hands him a wad of cash. And he's like, oh, then I got no problem with it. You know, guys, just keep it down. So he's like actively going to leave. Yeah. But then uh, he notices through like the reflections in various mirrors because yeah. that uh, he like he sees uh i think it's her legs initially and and then, and, her head. and then he sees like through another reflection in her head and so he goes into the bathroom and discovers the body and then he's like oh what you know what the hell we need to call you know call the cops and this and that and blah 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 uh so then boyd goes even further down the psycho spiral and like grabs the what like a cork screw yeah. or whatever and like stabs the guy multiple times and then they close the door and leave him in there until he bleeds out yeah. and then it's just this massive disaster scene like i'm confused where the jokes were in the entire movie <laughs> yes like i don't know where they're getting comedy and from. It, it's just a bunch of shitty people, people doing, doing shitty, shitty things. things agreed yeah and again i when i initially seeing this i remembered there actually being like comedic elements to it and what i happened i don't know i don't unless i'm just a more like evolved person than you know if i was this horrible monster before or something i i don't know because yeah i i didn't see it this go round. uh I, I don't know. I, I guess you're probably wishing that I would have chose Vanilla Sky or something instead, right? I probably would have been able to talk about that more. Because I, I really don't have a whole lot to say about the movie. And even if you go beat by beat with it, it's not going to take too long to get to the end of the movie. Yeah, not a well, whole lot happens. Well, I mean, that's pretty much the crux of it. So there's like now instead of one body, they have two bodies. Yeah. And so the one kind of like... <laughs> so I... The one part that I actually laughed at was uh, when, what's his face, uh, uh, Leland Orser's character. He's the guy with the glasses, the one that had broken the table. Uh -huh. When he's in like full hazmat gear and he's trying to like swiffer the the floor, yeah. and he's like he slips and like falls. Uh -huh. I actually I laughed out loud at that moment. That that was that funny because like passing it, scene. Well, yeah, too. it was like a sight gag kind of yeah. thing too. It was physical comedy that he like slips and falls on the blood and he goes like you know. Uh, head over feet or whatever. So I don't know. I thought that was funny, but they yeah they man fall down. <laughs> it was funny. He slipped and fell like it was a banana peel, but it was human blood. Uh -huh. So uh, yeah, they have that scene where they're like buying all this stuff, you know, like all these uh, suitcases and cleaning products, and then they. I thought it was like well done that the shot from you know the overhead shot of the like the montage as they're progressively like cleaning the room yeah but how everything was like completely like blood splattered yeah. and then it got progressively cleaner i thought it was at least i thought that was cinematically yeah. interesting that was like it was the shots were well done and 
Not a whole lot of that happening though in the in the movie as a whole though. Like what? Good shots or good just shots or like <laughs> good cinematography or I don't know, man. It's just I thought well, and then the very the very very end when Cameron Diaz like has the breakdown. Well, so I don't want to reveal it, but yeah. when she like runs out, you know, kind of like screaming, and yeah. and then they pull back again. That's another one that was like well done. So. Yeah. Okay, uh, so now they, they've killed the prostitute and the security guard, and now they, like, cut them up and put them into these different suitcases, and they bring them out to the desert. And uh, then Daniel Stern's character, uh, he says, like, no, this goes against, like, Jewish law. They can't have their bodies separated. We have to We have to put them back together. So that was another kind of, like, again, like, dark comedy, but it was a comedic moment where... Uh, that same guy Leland Orser, and I again I can't remember his name, but he he has like <laughs> he has like the two different legs, and he's got I've got her lower leg and his upper leg, and they don't match. Yeah. And he's like freaking out. That was another okay, not like ha ha ha, but it was like at least I don't know. I thought it was it was humorous, and so they they get the the bodies organized, and then they bury them in the desert, and then uh, they make their trek back to like California, like Los Angeles area. And they're cleaning the van and they're like, they're stopping for gas later. And uh, the one guy, Daniel Stern is like, you know, really freaking out and really affected by it. And he, he's wondering whether that security guard had kids and it's revealed later uh, when there's like a missing person, which is the, that's like a huge continuity error. I think like the hotel security knows that they had a guy working that day. Right. Yeah. They know that there had been noise complaints, and they know that they dispatched yeah. a security guy to go to that room. And he never came. And back. he never comes back. Like, wouldn't that be the logical step to like contact the people yeah, that were in so. that room that had also like broken the? I don't know. It just because what did they did they replace the hook that was like impaled in the girl's head? Did they uh, replace the yeah, table exactly. that they had broken? Like, you'd think that they'd be questioning them for. It should have been pretty easy to figure out what had happened to yeah. the guy. But anyway, but I digress. Uh, they are buried in the desert, and everybody starts to unravel. They have, like, the, um, what's it called? The rehearsal dinner, yeah. and he really starts freaking out. And uh, he's at odds with Michael, and then they finally convince Michael that maybe it's best if he just leaves. Michael ends up, he gets all pissed off, and he's like, no, screw this guy in his van, you know, my brother. And so he ends up like uh running his brother down uh and then he ends up dying but not before he reveals something to his wife uh on as his uh dying words in the hospital and so now it's the guy's mission to try to find out what she knows and so they come up with this uh story that oh adam was the guy's name that Adam had this thing for prostitutes and that the he, you know, felt all guilty because he had slept with a prostitute and it wasn't the first time and they keep like embellishing all this stuff and everything just continues to keep unraveling. Uh, like Boyd says that he's gonna like take care of the wife and, you know, he ends up like killing her and then he kills Michael because Michael's a loose end and he's talking about, you know, like turning himself in and revealing everything that's happened and this and blah, blah, blah. But 
know, uh, Boyd especially thinks that, okay, well, they're all going to go down because Michael can't, isn't smart enough to not, you know, reveal the everything that had transpired. So, yeah, Boyd uh, kills uh, the wife and then kills Michael, and then uh, John Favreau's character, he's breaking down, and he, and he tells uh, Cameron Tiaz, who is his wife-to-be, everything that they have done, and she's like, okay... I'm not going to let this ruin my wedding. So, you know, uh, you need to take care of uh, what's this? Like the, the other guy. But again, I can't remember the names. Not doing this movie justice, but I guess justice doesn't really yeah. need to be done to this movie. Uh, so she ends up bashing Christian Slater's uh, Boyd's face in because he's trying to like extort them for insurance money. Right. And then she's like, okay, well, after this, you know, you need to kill the other, the one remaining guy and also get rid of the dog too. Yeah. So John Favreau takes you know, his friend and this dog out to the desert uh, to move uh, the bodies and also to like you know kill the guy, but he can't go through with it. So um, they're just gonna like drive back to L.A. and and you know deal with the consequences. And he like falls asleep at the wheel and gets in an accident and then comes. Uh, and so the one guy gets like thrown completely from the vehicle and he's like completely fucked up like totally like paraplegic and uh, Jean Favreau's character has like his uh, legs cut off below the knee so he's like and the dog's uh, missing a leg and the dog's missing a leg too yeah Uh, and so now Cameron Diaz oh because uh, Adam and the wife were both now dead they had two kids and one of them was like a special needs kid and he had like you know uh like braces on his legs yeah. and walked around on crutches and everything like that. So they were like the godparents to those kids. So now they're in charge of having the kids and they didn't get this insurance payout that they thought they were getting. Cause it didn't start out like it was like two and a half million dollars or yeah. something like that. And then like the accountant Dropped dude kept like, like 14,000. Yeah. He kept like uh wiggling it down because he's like, Oh, well no, the, the house was like severely overvalued. So you still owe that plus the taxes and this and that and blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Yeah, so it ends up being like they get like $14,000. Well, Christian Slater thought it was like a bigger payout, so he was like trying to extort them for the insurance cash. So that was like what he was in on it for. Like, oh, you can't screw me over. And then that's when he ends up like getting killed. Yada, yada. So Cameron Diaz is now uh, her dream like wedding and life is now ruined because she has these kids that she doesn't want and this dog that doesn't want and husband that's in a wheelchair and now they're also taking care of this other guy who's like you know completely like paraplegic and so she's like uh just reduced to like scrubbing the bathroom and so she has like this nervous breakdown which was that other cool shot that i was talking about where she just like runs out and screaming and like wailing at what has Mm -hmm. befallen her uh and she runs out into the street and like almost gets hit by a car herself and then the you know the shot pulls back and um i thought that was a cool shot, anyway. But that and was that's uh, the movie. That's the entire movie. That was basically it. Yeah. Yeah, movie. Not to be mean to you, but movies, movie kind of sucks, man. <sighs> movie kind of sucks. I I did admit that I should have edited it better. And then I uh, another note was I remember it being more of a comedy than being so dark and mean spirited. Uh, I mean, it was just upsetting. So it still had uh, a couple enjoyable moments, and it was enta- entertaining enough that I didn't, you know, feel like bored while I was watching it. 
but it's not one that I would have chosen in hindsight or not one that I could recommend now. And so I put gear up for Vanilla Sky next time, I guess, although that is probably in the same boat as I haven't seen that one for mm. quite a while. So I don't know if that's going to hold up as well. So, yeah, uh, yeah the, those were the one or those were the two movies that I could think to discuss. And again, I'm sorry. I remember it being a lot better than it was. It just right. I remember it again being more of a comedy and less mean spirited. It just I don't I don't know what it is about me that made me think that this was ever like a funny film i don't know because it wasn't uh so the trivia adam sandler was originally cast as michael but dropped out at the last minute to make the water boy that was a good idea for him (laughs) jeremy piven took the role gene triplehorn and leland orser became a couple during the filming of this movie they eventually got married on october 14th of 2000 wow wow while the guys are trying to get rid of the dead body, Christian Slater's character Boyd is asked incredulously, have you ever done this before? The same thing was asked of him in Heathers when he was trying to cover up an accidental suicide that he manipulated. In both films, he hears the question, then pointedly does not answer it. How many times is the word fuck said throughout the movie? Probably over 100. 124. And that is what I have for the trivia. Wow. <laughs> that film, not nearly as many as... Or be no. for Vendetta because it wasn't nearly as good. No, not at all. So, like, I don't know. There's, I wish there was like more shit I could say about it, but like, you literally said everything that happens in the movie in like five minutes. Yep. And yeah, there's not a whole lot of substance. It's basically just, I think it's more, it's a character study, and I, and I think it's pretty accurate as how friendships break down when there's any kind of well it's it ain't a good character study because none of the characters have much character to begin with so but yeah i think he i think that's what they were probably going for is like a character study kind of thing i don't know where they're getting comedy from well it it, i think it does a good job of showing how like close-knit they are at the beginning yeah and how quickly they unravel when there's any kind of like travesty or anything that befalls. I mean, the, they the were all pretty easy going on board with chopping bodies up with like a hacksaw. Just because they didn't see the alternative, and I'm not saying I'm not defending it as the right choice. I just think for those characters, when they because to be fair, it's not like they were all instantly on board. So Boyd, like right from the from jump was like okay we we just need to like bury her in the desert and this yeah. and blah 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 so yeah he's the the massive like evil antagonist like psychopath everybody else was like had qualms with it and said like no the right thing to do would be to call the cops and get them involved when they took into account everything and, and boyd was good about like laying it all out there he said yeah, it's certainly one thing that we can do is call the cops and blah, 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 and this is how it's going to go, and yada, yada. They're going to come in, they're going to see the drugs, and yeah, 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 yeah. He was good at laying it out, which is like someone that is good at manipulation and who is a psychopath uh, is prone to do. And so he quickly got them all on board to agree with, hey, our lives are not going to be anything like what we thought they were based on what was initially an accident. Like, they... They definitely, full-fledged, in cold blood, killed the security guard. Yeah. The prostitute was a legitimate accident. Yeah. 
but so should all of them have been fucked for the thing that was legitimately an accident and caused by one guy? No. So, I mean, you have to kind of think, put yourself in that scenario. Like, would I be okay with like chopping this girl into pieces and burying her in the desert? No, I would have like, but you know, when they were all faced with that and when they were presented with a a strong argument by Boyd, like the, the reins are in the hands of a psychopath. Yeah. Well, but Boyd said like, Hey, you're about to get married. Like you want your whole like marriage and your whole like life derailed because of an accident perpetuated by this one guy. Mm -hmm. And so I think it was very easy for that character to say, Hey, you're right. So uh, at that point it became the 105 pound problem. And then, yeah, it spiraled further out of control with the addition of the security guard. And so that was, but the the characters suck. I'm gonna, I'll just say that. In, I mean, even including Boyd, too. Like, he just, as far as, like, psychopaths go, he's not, like, interesting. He's just, like, I don't know, man. The movie kind of... I thought it was... I thought he was the most interesting of any of I them. I fucking hate that actor, too. He looks Christian like Slater? Little, he looks like a little weasel man. Oh, wow. So, apparently, you didn't like Heathers, either. Or, and, and no. you don't like no, I think Interview of the Vampire? I think Melody hates Heathers. Hmm. Well, Melody, you hate Heathers? I'm surprised that it's uh, thought of to be so, I don't know, much of a big deal. She's surprised that it's thought of to be a big deal. Okay. I didn't realize that you had such uh Umbridge with uh, <laughs> Christian Slater. Yes. Huh, okay. Yeah. Well then. Yeah, so that's pretty much... Do you want to get into the ratings? Then? Yep. Well, I can't wait for you to give this. A... Oh, I'm gonna shit on it. <laughs> All right. I think yeah. I think it's the worst one that I've. Well, let's V for Vendetta first. V for uh... Vendetta. I'm gonna give a fucking nine point three. Okay, it's fair. I will go with uh, a nine. Nice. Nine even. Great movie. Had definitely, you know, some can't be perfect it, nothing ever is but it's close enough that it's great and speaking of being far from perfect <laughs> very bad things I'm, very bad things is a very bad movie i'm gonna give a 2.4 well it's still higher than what i thought you would really yeah because i think 2.4 is pretty low well what did you i don't know there was what did you give a four it was fairly recently wasn't it I things to do endeavor with your dad what did you give things to do in Denver? Because I thought, like, we've still been joking about that, so it's obviously more memorable than... I think, like, a five or something? I don't know. It seems too low in hindsight. This is the lowest I've gone. 2.4. 2.4. Yeah. I can't even really shit on you for, for doing that, because it, I think it's fair. I'm going to... I don't know. I'll give it a five, just because I a chose five? it. A five? I, at some point... You just said 2.4 was, like... Was Yeah, it's fair for you to say that. Like, obviously, like chose this movie did you so like I, it enough to give it a five though like serious i liked it enough initially that i thought there was one of two movies that i could have chose for yeah. v so obviously i had some affinity for it at some point in time well do you now or are you just giving it a five because at one point you liked it dude i'm giving it a five a five that, is pretty high what the fuck are you talking about a five is high like 2.4 well, yeah, when you compare it to 2.4, yeah. it's double that. But 
it's a, still like half of what you could potentially give a movie. Five would, you're saying that it's average. <laughs> yeah. I think it was, it had enough cool scenes and it had the, the moment where I laughed. I, again, I'm not saying people should run out and see this movie. You absolutely should not. I'm telling you, even though it was my selection for this film, if you haven't already seen it, do not seek it out. It's not worthy of you doing that. But I was at least entertained, and I thought highly enough of it at one point to watch it. And I don't have, like, the hatred for Christian Slater that he did. (laughs) I thought his character, while fucking despicable, was well acted, and I I thought it was a good character. Mm -hmm. Everybody else didn't really have a lot of, like, agency or... But him, I think, was definitely... I think he was worth fucking four points on his own. Hmm. I thought he was very good in that role. Interesting. So I'm going to give him another five. End of. So do we have anything else to discuss? Or are we just going to slam that filing cabinet shut? Yeah, I've heard of bad movies, but never movies this bad. I, I don't know. Maybe next week I'll be uh, wearing the shirt. Yeah. So then I'll then. just have to look at that and I'll be like, all right, I need to come up with that. <laughs> all right, so yeah, I guess we'll file that under V. Yep. Like, smash that like button. Subscribe. Follow us on Patreon. If you give two dollars, we you get like a quart of bath water. We don't have a Patreon, but we do uh, have, sell our bath water. <laughs> we don't do that either, but you can. Uh, like us on Twitter and you know follow us and uh, contribute to the polls. And you can send us email at fileunderpod. You can write and rate and review us. So, yeah, till next time, smash that like button. Bye.